All right, you ready to talk about some coasters of Walt Disney World? I'm like more ready now than I was even. Oh my god. All right, well, let's do it. Hello and welcome to That Park Life Podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Greg, joined as always by... This is the anthem, <laughs> is what you came for. Did I sound like Todrick? Thank Just you. like Todrick, you, you might Thank as you. well. I can hear your claps through the microphone. Thank you. Not only do you sound alike, but you guys look alike, and that's really how I know. <laughs> Thank you. you I would love to, to be that tan, I guess. Yes, that, that's one way to put it. I do want to talk about Magic Happens, but first, can we talk about a little bit of our intro? Because, you know, I was like looking for sound clips to put yeah, together like was, a little... I'm really impressed. A little something for um, our new deep dive episode today. So we're talking about uh, a couple now of the coasters of Walt Disney World. So part one of a two-part series doing a deep dive there. But there is no like audio for Barnstormer. It doesn't exist. There's oh. like... I couldn't really find any good cue music that would really let you know or indicate it's from that attraction. So that's just a sound effect of an old prop plane and the goofy like yell that, you know, he's famous for. Yeah. If you ask me, what's the music of the Barnstormer? I'd, it'd be crickets. I'd be like, yeah. I have no idea. I don't know. It's like, well, you can hear the music from Dumbo over there. Is <laughs> <laughs> so that part of it? <laughs> yeah. It's not like a super high themed attraction, which is, yeah. you know, fine. Well, like I'm sure we're we'll gonna, talk more about it. Talk about that. We'll we talk will. About that. Um, but I want to get back to Magic Happens because I think yeah. I think you fell in love recently i did i did when i don't even know when it debuted recently okay i was like did i miss it like am i really like late to the party here because um so for those of you who don't know disney's been putting a bunch of stuff online now right because we're all stuck at home yeah um so they put up like their pretty much it was like a quick version of the magic happens parade which is at disneyland now and what i i do they here's what i'm confused about do they do it in the daytime and the nighttime yeah they because, do two versions of it a okay, day and night and I they're love. obviously a little different you know yeah um the nighttime i was like <gasps> when i found a clip of it nighttime i was like oh my god stop it it's a nighttime parade too <laughs> yes um and they have cool light i mean they have great lights and stuff too but the floats are incredible and the music the music's what got me yes. I was like this is my new jam it's a certified bop if you haven't heard it i do want to play a little clip of it okay. obviously i know you've heard it but i'm wondering if anyone Thank out there you. hasn't so here's a little bit of magic happens featuring todrick hall Dude, it's so good. Like, how you, it's so catchy. I'm like, yes. you don't love this song, something's wrong with you. If you're a Disney fan and you don't love this song, something is wrong with you. It's awesome. And, I mean, I just think Todrick Hall, I think he's incredible. Yeah. Um, the stuff he comes up with, I'm like, this guy, he's just awesome. Which, 
funny thing the first the first time i ever heard about todrick hall is he did a beauty and the beast spoof and instead of if you've never seen this instead of like um the bell song there goes the baker with oh yeah, yeah okay but it's what's good what's good <laughs> greg if you haven't seen this you need to look it up i will have just to look search, it up yeah you just search like todrick hall beauty and the beast or whatever it'll come up it's basically like a hood version oh my gosh it's just hilarious so i think that was like my first like who is this guy and then the more stuff I've seen, I'm like, okay, well, he's done these spoofy things, and Disney still has hired him to do this stuff. So, all right, I think I found what you're talking about. Okay, this is wait. Beauty and the Beat by yeah, Todd Rakal. So this, I think this part's the same. It's yeah. live action. All right, all right. Here's the good stuff. I think. What's good? What's good? What's Oh my gosh! So this is that was your first introduction to Todrick Todrick Hall. Yes, and um, little shout out because Glozell. If anyone knows who knows who Glozell is, she's the, you know, put on some lip balm for your crusty crust. Um, <laughs> she she makes a cameo in it, so this just all goes way back. This like deep dives into the internet, but you need to look it up. Oh my gosh! I gotta watch the rest of that. Back to magic happens. <laughs> back to magic happens. Certified Bop, a great song. Can't wait to see it. Um, hopefully, I'll be able to yeah. get to do that. But yeah, daytime and nighttime parade which mm-hmm. is awesome and i feel like they've been doing a really good job of new parade music because even the new move it shake it yeah. mouse could dance it soundtrack yeah. to me i think is is awesome i like that too different vibe but just i think it's still just as yeah. catchy and the song doesn't do justice to the like incredible features on the floats like the floats are incredible the costumes are great the little hey hey yeah um thing i was like dying laughing at yes so because they have like moana and you know it's newer princesses it's like uh, they still have Cinderella, of course, but they've got Moana. They have like it's Frozen Two theme. Um, who else is in there? Well, it ends kind of in an odd way with King Arthur and yeah. uh, what's his face trying to pull the sword out of the stone. Yeah, it's so strange. it's kind of random. It's like new school, but then there's still some old school thro- throwbacks to it. But either way, all the costumes and stuff are awesome. Yeah, I think it's really check cool. it out. Um, hey, we launched a Facebook group officially. Um, I had posted it just to our Patreon page first if they wanted to head out there and take a, a look at it firsthand before we uh, rolled it out officially. But it's there. So if you ever wanted to continue a conversation that we start here on this podcast, that's a good place for it, whether it's with us or other listeners of this podcast. Uh, so head out to Facebook and just search that Park Life Podcast. You'll be able to find the group there. I also have a video coming out. Um, by the time this episode releases, it'll already be out. But so far, the only people who have seen it are our patrons. And uh, <laughs> I haven't gotten direction on it either way. And I think it's great. So I'm going to post it. It's a little, it's just a little, I'm a little bored. Okay, guys, listen, I don't, projects. Hey, don't have a lot time. going on. Don't have a lot going on. New but I got a new toy and I set it up and I recorded some of my interactions with it. So you'll see really dirty you'll see no it stop that right now <laughs> so uh still not a whole lot of news uh in the news is that redundant Still not a whole lot of news going on but i know you got a couple items Here's for us nuggets. dip them in your sauce and put them in your mouth i just like hearing that um okay so i found this on wdw news today uh Prop culture is going to be... So you know how they did the uh, the thing on Disney Plus for the Imagineers? Yeah. Well, they're doing one, and they're calling it prop culture. So this is giving uh, people a chance to go inside Disney archives. Okay. And they like see a bunch of their props and stuff from old movies and things like that. Oh. So I thought this would be cool. It's an eight-episode series. It's going to premiere on May 1st on Disney Plus. Um, the host is Dan 
Lanigan, I think is how you say his name. And basically, he's like going on the hunt, I guess, is the whole thing to find like costumes and their set designs and there's props oh, that's and music. Awesome. And, um, the films that they are looking at uh, things from is Pirates of the Caribbean, Curse of the Black Pearl, Mary Poppins, Tron, The Nightmare Before Christmas. Can't wait for that one. Yeah. The Muppet movie, also love it. Uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, also love. The Chronicles of Narnia, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And then Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Oh. Yeah. Um, so I thought that was cool. And then, okay, yeah. So that's coming May 1st on Disney+. Plus. And then the other thing that I saw when I was looking for news, um, they did like a story and posted the recipe for the Galaxy's Edge Blue Milk. Okay. And I was just really curious what's in it because if I'm honest, I haven't heard good things about it. Like I've just heard it's just kind of weird. And so I think I know why it's weird. Um, so I wanted to like just share what the ingredients are because if you have you tried it, Greg? I have not had it, no. Okay, haven't had it. So all these things look fine to me except for watermelon. It has watermelon chunks and I feel like that is something that can be really weird for people. Mm-hmm. I have to be in the mood for watermelon and I don't like naturally watermelon flavored things. Like fake watermelon flavor usually is okay, but it's like the natural one that gets me. So it's um, one cup organic rice milk, two cups canned dull pineapple, one cup unsweetened coconut silk milk, silk milk, uh, nine drops of McCormick blue food coloring, one cup of watermelon chunks, and then one and a half teaspoons of Hobbyland dragon fruit flavoring drops. Hmm. So I thought that's really interesting. Where and did... I just think the watermelon's probably yeah. what I, I wonder what it tastes like without the watermelon. Like I might actually like it without it. So I was like, that's very interesting to know what's in it. So Is the blue milk chunky? I don't think so. I think it's literally, I mean, it's because. It is blended uh, maybe. I'm sure like the pineapple stuff is probably sifted out, but I'm not sure because I haven't had it. Gotcha. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Like, I'm okay. sure, and I'm sure it's like pulverized yeah. down to the point of, <laughs> you know, it's like a pretty smooth thing because it's milk. It's supposed to be like milk. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's good to know that there's actually no dairy in it, like real dairy. Yes. Um, Because I guess that would be kind of gross. If you think about it, you're walking around like hot Disneyland with like a dairy item in your hand yes um but i don't know so if you want to try it check it out it's also on wdw news today okay that's all i got that's all you got yeah i don't really have anything in the news either because a lot of the news stuff a lot of the news that the quote news that i'm reading is all speculation as to when the parks are going to open but i'm here to tell you and you may already know this no one knows so anything anything you read is just just speculation yeah i did see a story um where the governor of california i think said like it's probably going to be through August that we're not going to have gatherings. So like, just get yourself prepared for that. And I'm yeah. like, well, it's probably going to be like that for the rest of the world. California, they're like a hot spot. But... Yeah. They seem like they're a little strict. I mean, they were like one of the first states to shut down. Like, yeah. So I don't know. So, right. And you're like, so given that it's like, they're one of the first people that had to shut down. So meanwhile, I mean, things are... meanwhile, here in Florida, our governor has deemed the oh WWE as essential business workers. And this is um, not a knock on wrestling because I totally get it. But like, guys, like, come on. No, there's a whole story behind it. And actually, um, we know the guy that broke the story on all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And like, cause he's just really pissed off about it. Yeah. It's just bizarre. Um, I don't know. It just, it seems like basically it has to do with money and all this. I mean, there's a lot to it. So if you want more information on that, look it up, yes. but it is like, it's a it's very wild thing because the only, the only like people that I guess it really pertains to is WWE. And that's why it's so crappy. It's weird. There's a lot of athletes that are like, I don't like, I don't want to go because they could be exposed. And yeah. there was an athlete that had it that yes. they didn't let people know until after they had already filmed everything, which oh was like, gosh. well, that was good timing. 
Anyways, I could talk about that all day. Anyway, they also didn't close the, close the beaches here during spring break, and you saw those yeah. pictures and videos. Yeah. But anyway, let's uh, let's go back in time to a much more probably peaceful and relaxing time of our life <laughs> and, do, and do some Disney history. Um, I'll start us off with something from Drew Carey. Do you remember this? Mm. In 1999, Sounds Dangerous opened at the ABC Sound Studio and then Disney MGM Studios. So this was an opportunity for you to sit in like a theater style room and you'd each get headphones, like earbuds, which by the way, obviously probably never going to happen again where you share that type of equipment. (laughs) And you'd put the headphones on and there there was like a stage and stuff. There was no lie. I don't think there were any live actors it was a projected show you know and, and drew yeah, carey would walk around this. and um at some points the lights would go out and obviously you, what you can hear is what you can hear so it would be like you're in the middle of like sound effects so they would show you how to do like a thunder i think sound effect by like having this yeah. big like blade thing that they would wobble yes. you know talk like about like those saw, kinds of yeah yeah they would blade. do all yeah. those kinds of things then one thing i really remember in particular because i still think about it to this day this thing opened up in 1999 it's what year is this 2014 2020 i got i don't know quarantine has <laughs> ruined my brain um, I still think about it because there's one part of that movie or film or presentation where they simulate you getting a haircut. And yes, because it's in stereo, you hear the little buzzer go from like your left ear to your right ear or whatever. So now when like I get my haircut, yeah. I still think back to, to that. By the way, quarantine life now includes Nicole cutting my hair. But anyway, um, <laughs> that's where we're at. That was the original ASMR, I guess. Yes. If you think about it. It's, it certainly was. They, they did like a little section of that with bees too, like buzzing around you and stuff. Yeah, because I remember being like, like yeah. you're doing like one of these shoulder actions where you're like kind of cringing because yes. you're like, ooh. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Um, okay, mine By the way, is 19. What? Thank you for breezing over the uh, fact that I said Nicole cut my hair for quarantine. Um, I mean, I just didn't know if you really wanted to talk about it. No, shut or... up. It's totally fine. This, you wouldn't even this notice. This is a therapy session. We'll talk after. No, the machine does <laughs> I all the work. I mentioned it before we started. It looks fine. Okay. It looks fine. Okay. Um, I'm going back to 1991. And this is when the Sci-Fi Dining Theater restaurant opened at MGM. Hashtag mm. not my MGM now, but it was MGM then. Um, so it says, like a night at the old drive-in, servers at the Sci-Fi Dine-In Theater restaurant bring food to vintage 50s convertible tables and guests watch 50s and 60s sci-fi and monster flicks on the big screen. I have not eaten here yet, but it is on my list. I really want to go here just for the atmosphere. Yeah, it's a cool like, atmosphere. I don't even care if the uh, fair. I don't even care if the food is crappy. I just like want to sit in one of those old cars and like yeah. watch some like sci-fi <laughs> movie and eat. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, that really is how it is. Now, when I I've only been there once in my adulthood that I can mm-hmm. remember. And uh, I just got like an appetizer. I got the boneless wings and a sauce or whatever. And Nicole yeah. got some type of sandwich. I forgot exactly what it was. But we had like our food was good. I remember it being good. Yeah. I remember the French fries being good, which was a side for my thing. And uh, the atmosphere is where it's at. It's a cool. It's cool yeah. in there. I love 50s theme stuff. Like, I don't know if you guys ever remember Johnny Rockets. I think we still yes. have one here. It's been a while, um, but yeah. Yes, but I loved Johnny Rockets. It was like one of my favorite places to go to. If you don't know, it's basically a 50s themed restaurant where the waiter waiters and waitresses wear skates yes um and then they stop and have to do dances when certain songs come on (laughs) i was like all here for i was like i am here for this (laughs) love it so much love it so much all right well i guess it's time to do a little deep dive so we've done we finished we should have had a big splash dive i thought about that as i said it i was like ah in my head i'm like that's a terrible dive sound but you know what that is so (laughs) i think that should be our clip from now on (laughs) That's a, that's, I think that's a toilet flushing on an airplane. Maybe, maybe. Um, we did our deep dive for the classic style dark rides. And our mm-hmm. next chapter here are the coasters 
of Walt Lizard. Not to be confused with this coaster that I'm using here to not leave a ring on my table. This is the annual no. Passholder Chef Mini. Which are from... great, by the way, because they're light and they hold water very well. Yeah, that's actually quite nice. But I digress. <laughs> we all digress here. So we're going to be covering the coasters of Walt Disney World. Uh, all together, we have the Seven Dwarfs Mine Train, Big Thunder Mountain, the Barnstormer, uh, Space Mountain. Space Mountain. Over in other parks, we have Rock and Roller Coaster, Slinky Dog Dash, Expedition Everest, and technically Primeval Whirl Don't um, is considered a coaster. Now, while we were debating about what rides to cover i just went under the disney website and if it used the word coaster in its description i thought well okay there's a coaster so even though primeval world uh, uh, operates now seasonally so to speak technically i mean if you look at it it is a coaster track whether or not you think it's basically primeval what body part do you want to have bruised today yes (laughs) free chiropractic adjustment primeval world attraction also so today, Do you want me to start off? I have a lot of notes for, say, Space Mountain. Okay, I think that's a good place to start. So today we're just going to be covering those four attractions that are listed in Magic Kingdom. We'll get to the other yeah. four on a future episode. So today is Space Mountain, Barnstormer, Seven of My Train, and uh, <laughs> Big Thunder Mountain. So yeah, let's start with Space Mountain because I think this might be my favorite of the four attractions that we're doing today. So Space Mountain is obviously, I've said it before and I'll say it again, it's my favorite roller coaster. Oh, I have all God. the nostalgia for it and I just love it so much. Um, so I actually had a good time like going through and getting all the specs and stuff for it, but it's a lot. So stay with me, people. Okay. <laughs> I got most of my information just so you guys know from theme park history. They have a YouTube page. It's incredible. And I'm like, you guys have done all the research. Why should I have to do it now? <laughs> um, and then Wikipedia also gave me some other tips and things that I didn't know before. So uh, I want to start off with what Disney says. We like to start off like what does it actually say on the Disney page? Mm-hmm. So they say blast off on a rip roaring rocket into the furthest reaches of outer space on this roller coaster ride in the dark. Dip and careen into the inky blackness as a futuristic soundtrack echoes all around you. Fly past shooting stars and celestial satellites. Roar past streaking orbs of light. Wayward comets and migrant meteors. Feel the pull of gravity as you're drawn into a swirling wormhole. I'm sorry. Did they say inky darkness? It says inky blackness. Oh. I feel like that's racist. I don't know. Well, (laughs) that is true. They could just say darkness. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah. It's just weird. And plus, I feel like... With what I've read and like kind of how the theming is, I'm like, they don't really mention anything about the theming. Yes. Which we'll get into. So, yeah. Okay. okay. All right. So, I'm going to kind of talk about the beginnings because everything has starts from somewhere else. A lot of the stuff I feel like I talk about starts at Disneyland. So, um, on June 14th, 1959, there was the newest expansion at Disneyland that opened, right? So, the park opened in 1955. And then in 1959, this new expansion um, opened. So, there were three new attractions. This is basically what launched the whole e-ticket attraction style rides, which was like a whole new thing for Disney. So Mm -hmm. the Matterhorn bobsled ride was like the main attraction. Um, And this helped Walt Disney kind of come up with his idea for Space Mountain because Tomorrowland was kind of considered like this wasteland of corporate sponsorship. Um, There was really nothing going on in Tomorrowland that was like, you know, it was like whoop-de-doo, whatever. And he just wasn't super happy with it. So he wanted to come up with sort of a new Tomorrowland he proposed like a whole new revamping of the land in 1964. He approached Imagineer Imagineer John Hench about coming up with an attraction that would be the cornerstone of the land for uh, Tomorrowland. Since he loved the Matterhorn ride so much and they like learned so much stuff about it, he wanted to do something like that, but that took place in space. Okay. So, so he and Wed Enterprises, they teamed up. Um, with an aerospace company as well to sort of like come up with the idea for this attraction. Now, what happened was, what happened was, (laughs) 
1965, that project was sort of put on hold because that's when Florida Project was going underway. So they kind of put things on hold in Tomorrowland and Disneyland to start the 1965, um, to start uh, Disney World in Florida. Um, and they also, because of what they wanted to do for Space Mountain, they put it on hold because they were like, the technology isn't exactly where they wanted it to be mm-hmm. for what they wanted. So those were a couple of things going on. So moving forward, originally it was supposed to be called Spaceport. So I thought that was interesting. Cause I was like, that's just a funny name to me, like Spaceport. Like, can you imagine? It's like, we're going to go ride Spaceport. But our whole lives, you know, it's like, well, it's Space Mountain and we well, just yeah. called Spaceport. Well, because yeah. then they went, I mean, obviously, you know, the mountains became a thing once one of the mountains was there. So imagine if they didn't have that common thing keeping them together, there'd be only one. Right, right. One exactly. mountain, I guess. Um, yeah, that's true. And um, originally the design called for like four tracks. Okay. So kind of think of it this way. So it's an all enclosed roller coaster. Um, the original design was for four ride tracks, each going in and out of the mountain. But because obviously that was where the technology, they were like, we don't really have enough technology yet to get us there. And the space issues, we don't have enough like space to do all of that in. So it was put on hold. As I said, Tomorrowland at the time in Disneyland, they only pretty much had the Skyway and the Grand Prix Raceway. So those were like the only things that were in um, Tomorrowland that was like, okay, we need something else here. The original plan for Disney World was for the Matterhorn to take place in Fantasyland, but they were like, we don't have enough room to put that there and it's way too expensive to replicate. So that's why they decided against it. And that's when they went back to the Space Mountain idea, because by the time they were doing this in Florida, the technology actually had advanced. um, And it was they were like, and we actually have enough space for it over in Tomorrowland. So let's go with it. So they then got together with RCA. I can't remember like what his title was, like the president of RCA. He was approached to help with the sponsoring because they're like, hey, you know, they it's Disney does a lot of sponsoring because they need money to like build stuff. So RCA jumped in. They were already helping with communication around the rest of the park and they gave $10 million towards this project. Yeah. So construction for it for Space Mountain in Disney World started on December 15th in 1972. Um, It was originally supposed to be built in the southern part of Tomorrowland, but ended up being outside the boundary line of Magic Kingdom. So that's why. If you really think of it, it's like not really inside. That's why it's kind of stuck out on its own little island mm-hmm. on the outside of Magic Kingdom. Imagineers basically wanted more space for other attractions and they didn't want to overshadow Cinderella's castle with something so big, so close to it. Makes sense. So that yeah, so that's why it's sort of like out in its own little area. So I'm gonna go through some more specs here with the construction. It is four large support beams that were put in place first. So there's four large support beams were put in place, then a ring of columns to hold the structural beams to create the dome like type mountain Mm -hmm. thing so in those structural beams there's 72 identical beams weighing 74 tons they are each 117 feet long um the base width of them is 13 feet and then it narrows up to four feet at the top so it's just a lot of construction going (laughs) going into this oh yeah um they also had to create a tunnel that goes under the railroad the railroad so the space tunnel that you walk into the star tunnel tunnel or whatever is actually um, you're walking underneath the Disney World Railroad. I cannot say that word today. <laughs> so I thought it was like, oh, yeah, I guess you don't like realize that you're actually walking pretty much outside the boundaries of Magic Kingdom yeah. like to get into the, the ride um, space, the building. So the whole building is 183 feet tall. It's 300 feet in diameter. It is 85,000 square feet. It is the wow. largest show building ever created. Wow. Probably at least, which I was looking at that and I'm like, probably until the newest uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Because if yeah, you've seen that show, pretty it big. is ginormous. It was the first indoor all-enclosed steel roller coaster in the U.S. So outside of being the first roller coaster at Magic Kingdom, 
it was the first ever indoor steel roller coaster in the United States. Wow. And it opened on January 15th of 1975. It has a tubular steel track design. It relies on gravity once the train reaches the top of the lift hill. Um, it breaks for safety throughout portions of their ride. So this was something that I like didn't think about. Um, so they use this like chain, like the chain lift hill design, yep. which I mean, like every roller coaster does this where it has like this chain that kind of pulls you up. And then once you're like up over the top, it's gravity that pretty much does the rest of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like thinking of it that way. I'm like, yeah, it does. Like you can go at different speeds depending on how much weight are in the cars. Yep. If you think of it. So it does, it has a safety brake braking system throughout portions of the ride. There's only two tracks because of the budget and space, which is what we talked about. And they ended up doing everything enclosed, right? Because um, Walt was like, well, we can't do things that go in and outside because it, once you're outside in the daytime, you're like not in space anymore. Right. It kind of ruins the want- illusion. Yes. Yeah, so that's why they wanted to keep everything inside. Uh, the two tracks are mirror designs of each other. And they are named Alpha and Omega. So when you walk into, you can see it. Like Alpha is to the left and Omega is to the right. Um, this is one thing that I thought was funny because we like to go to the left. I don't know what it is about it, but I was like, there's just something about going to the Alpha side that we love most. Yes. Um, and I know people like look at us crazy and they're like, it's the same thing. But the Alpha roller coaster is actually 10 feet longer than the Omega coaster. <laughs> See, here's the thing. I'm glad you're bringing this up because okay. I have heard that the Alpha and Omega sides are the same, but I'm mm-hmm. rejecting that. Because I am convinced, whether it's real or just in my head, that the left side has a longer drop in it. Like there's yeah. one part where you do a little bit of a drop. Spoiler, if you, if you haven't been on Space Mountain, it's a roller coaster. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I'm convinced it's a little bit different. Obviously, I know that you're turning left a lot versus right, depending on which side you're up. That's not what I'm talking about. Like I, I'm right. convinced that the track is slightly different. So maybe well, the 10 if- feet in there is in the drop. I don't know. Yeah. And I don't, yeah, I don't know what it is. I'm sure there's like other just like sensory type things that are like, I don't, I guess you just like this way better. But every time we ride it, we're like, I don't know why I just like the left side better. Yeah. Um, but it is 10 feet longer. Um, the roller coaster itself has the max height of 65 feet. The max speed you can go on it is 28.7 miles per hour. The uh, max drop is 26 feet and that's at a 30 degree angle. Um, the duration of the ride itself is around two and a half minutes. Now, originally it had a 30, it had 32 two-car trains, 16 for each track, and they were 14 in operation at any given time. Each train had two single-file rock, uh, rocket-shaped cars with two seats designed for two passengers per seat, which was eight passengers per train. So I didn't realize this, that originally it had oh. like the two-seater. Yeah. Because I've always said, because that's what Disneyland has now, spoiler alert, they have the two-seater train. And I was like, I always wanted to do that because I think it would be really fun to sit next to somebody on it. Um the project itself cost 15 to 20 million dollars overall and um on the launch day back in 75 they had like a huge opening thing so they had a 2000 piece band with balloon launch and fireworks um and then astronaut james Irwin, who was the astronaut from apollo 15 he took the first official ride when they opened um, how, wait, how so many pieces in their band 2000 how, pe- so 2000. are there like 30 people all playing the same instrument they, you know what i'm saying like how many different a, yeah, like in the video, they basically had them all lined around the people mover track. Oh, okay. So they had like people everywhere um, with, and I'm like, man, that's a lot of, like, I can only imagine how loud that was. Were they just playing the Space Odyssey over and over again? <laughs> I don't know. Um, so originally RCA was the sponsor because they're the ones that donated everything yeah. and Disney allowed them to use all of their signage, like all over the place. So we're going to kind of talk about like how it's changed over time. Okay. Um, originally... Nipper the dog, who was the, if you've like ever seen any RCA thing, you've seen like a, you've probably seen a picture of this dog. His name is Nipper. 
he was like basically in a spaceship. That was like what would greet you at the beginning of the attraction when you'd go in. RCA had a theme song played as well. This is where I asked Greg for this clip because I'm like, we just have to hear this because it's interesting to me. Uh, the song was called Here's to the Future and You. Yeah, so this is the song that RCA, I guess, and whoever put together. Do you think this song includes any members of the original 2000 piece band from opening day? <laughs> that I would be pretty cool. I don't know, but here's the song. I want to hear Todd recall to a get a remix of that. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> like, let's put some beats on that. <laughs> but that would, it does kind of pep you up. Like when you yeah. get off the ride and you just have that rush of like energy, it's like, yeah, here's to the future, y'all. <laughs> um, so originally they had like the star tunnel um, and the star corridor, like had distorted stars and stuff that gave the illusion of movement. But in the exit, the original exit, it moved you through the home of future living on the moving walkway that displayed scenes that had audio animatronics and many products of the future, including flat screen TVs and laptops. So those were kind of those original scenes on the right. Um, and obviously they had the moving walkway. That was a opening day thing. Okay. In 1989, new trains were installed. So this is when the new trains came in that were the three single file seats per car, which was two cars per train for six passengers per train. Okay. They still had the original lap bars with those, but um, then that was changed in 1998 with um, that's when they went to the T bars. That were gotcha. added. So I'm also like trying to remember, like, yeah, can you imagine like riding in those things with a lap bar versus no. the T bar now? Because that's something good to hold on to. Um, in 1985, the post show was updated, which was now called RYCA-01, which now displayed what life might be uh, look like living in a space colony on another planet. So this is when they like had changed uh, those scenes on the right when you're leaving gotcha. on the moving walkway. As part of the 1994 overhaul of Tomorrowland, both Space Mountain and the American Parks received sponsorship from FedEx. So this is when RCA let their stuff relapse and then FedEx took over. Uh, the 1989 entrance remained very much the same, but now the entrance and exit building was partially demolished, forcing, forcing exiting riders um, into an arcade and gift shop that occupied part of the still vacant space left for the proposed but never built Tomorrowland Railway Station, hmm. um, which I thought was interesting. They were going to do one and they never did. In the queue, while guests waited for their rockets, monitors above them played the futuristic but funny SMTV video, which featured Space Mountain Mission Control, notifying them on the status of the vehicles and channel surfing to find a new uh, newscast to keep them up to date on what's happening around the galaxy. Uh, it said the loop featured commercials for Crazy Larry's used spaceships, <laughs> which featured Charles Fleischer. Fleischer? I don't know how you say his name. I don't know. Uh, but he was the voice of Roger Rabbit. Ah. Yeah, um, he was basically a dealership owner and several sci-fi themed ads um, were added to promoting FedEx's delivery service. The warning film has so far changed only three times. The original was 1975 and then two updated versions, both in 1985 and then 1994. And the FedEx footage was removed in 2005. Uh, the entry lobby, sorry, the entrance lobby was refurbished with orange and brown color scheme, but still remain the blue floor lights and black vinyl flooring while adding in FedEx sponsorship intergalactic tracking network mural of the Milky Way. Sorry, this is a lot of stuff, guys. It's just changed a lot. Wait, can we hold on uh, a sec? Because I think I found a clip from, was it Crazy Larry? Yeah, yeah. Did yes. you find it? So the, okay. Yeah, I think so. I mean, this is from, uh, the, so this is when FedEx did their SMTV commercials in the queue. Let's see, let's yeah. see if this lines up at all with what we're talking about. 
pop designer Peter Planet, or as he prefers, Pierre Planet, <laughs> has come up with an all. I hate to say this, Pierre, but to me this concept is half baked. All that glitters this is, is not gold. This looks like a like a. He's doing like a. What was the, that show that Joan Rivers was on where they would uh, judge what everyone's wearing? Like that's what he's doing right now. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I'm going to, you know what, I'm going to post a link to this okay. YouTube video in the notes because I think everyone needs to see what's going on in this video. <laughs> um, yeah, it's pretty awesome. All right, so, and then in 1998, the original flooring was removed and a staircase was added in the left-hand queue, which is now the standby queue. So the right queue had the ramp instead of the staircase, made it wheelchair accessible, um, and then that's for the fast pass return line. Fast pass machines were also added outside of Space Mountain at this time, so mm -hmm. that was 98. 2004 was when FedEx left their sponsorship, and there has been no other sponsorship since then. Um, all, their, all the FedEx stuff was removed in 2005. April 19th, tw uh, 2009 to November 2009, Space Mountain received a major refurbishment, and this was the first like extensive one since 1999. It was estimated to cost $12.3 million. <laughs> Basically gave the ride a sci-fi futuristic look similar to the Tokyo Disneyland counterpart. While the ride... Um, the ride itself didn't change. Some of the sound effects, the energy, the wormhole tunnels were updated. On-ride camera was installed on the turnarounds from the energy tunnel to the lift hill. Mm -hmm. uh, the most significant change was in the loading station. So um, it originally had no ceiling. It had a um, was it was basically roofed over. So uh, they wanted to reduce the amount of light that was visible inside of the dome, like while you're on the ride. So that's why they put a roof over it. Ah. Yeah, which I thought was really interesting. Um, uh, gates were also added to the platform where guests board the trains in 2010. It received a starry ophonic sound effect. Yes. New, the new sound effects play throughout the mountain to further enhance the ride experience. Uh, the underlying musical score was composed by Mike Brassel, who also served as the current narrator for Tomorrowland Transit Authority People Mover oh. and the Living with the Land Attractions. Oh, look at that. Wait, that's the yeah. same guy? Apparently, yeah. Oh, I call him fake Matthew Broderick on the land, yeah. but I guess that's, yeah. I guess he has a real name. Yeah. Um, so other things that I had, let's see, post-show changed, let's see, I think that was in 93, the post-show changed in 93 to show like intergalactic shipping stuff. So when FedEx took over, they kind of turned it into uh, like a intergalactic shipping. That makes This was sense. like where packages could be shipped across space. <laughs> so I was like, okay, that changed in. And then in 2004, um, all their sponsorship and stuff was removed. But in 2009 was when they changed the, those scenes again. To be more directly connected to the spaceport, they showed different destinations around the universe which their rockets could take guests, and monitors were added to the dioramas to promote activities that guests could participate in if they were to go to these destinations. Um, and that's why they kind of have like this baggage claim thing looking, because it's supposed to be like, oh, this is like the port to where you travel to different places. Ah, okay. Yeah. And then obviously, um, most of us know that in 2018 was when they took out um the moving sidewalk and they put carpet in yes yeah, so now it looks like add... a hotel lobby yeah it's really weird and it, it's like still kind of cushy over there because you like know it's still underneath there it's not like they i don't know it's just weird like walking up through it because those monitors aren't there anymore like the interactive monitors mm -hmm. aren't there anymore and it's carpet now yeah it's kind of nice though like if you remove the part of your brain that expects the moving platform to be there if, if you just think of it yeah. as a regular ride exit like the carpet's still like relatively new and the part where you're where you normally would be climbing uphill a little bit, they've kind of made it almost like a like a ramp, so you, it kind of yeah. cuts out the inclination. But it just reminds me of kind of like a fancy-ish hotel lobby. I kind of like it. Yeah, 
Yeah. Um, and I didn't really know much about the, like, I didn't really pay attention to the scenes very much. It's like, yeah. I've seen them a million times. Um, but when we're talking about other cool facts, <laughs> um, they made tributes in these scenes to the attraction horizons. Oh, so that's okay. what these are. So the one of the bags in the baggage claim located on the visitor's left at the start of the exit features the word Mesa Verda written on it. The undersea post-show scene after the desert scene is reminiscent of a scene in Horizons. It was a scene, uh, the only new scene added to the post-show in the refurbishment. All of the other ones were tweaked or redressed. The flat screen display in the new scene describes the scenes as 20,000 uh, light years under the sea, as a pun <laughs> on 20,000 leagues under the sea. Nice. Which is, uh, you know, original 70s post-show scene depicting a futuristic family watching the Disney movie on the same name. And then obviously to the attraction, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. And then the robot valet and futuristic city line, which is uh, the last post-show you see. They're similar to a scene in Horizons and to the lounge that Disney used to operate in LAX. Oh, okay. Not know about those. I guess I got to pay more attention to those. Yeah. And the only other cool thing was that obviously when you go into the ride, it's called Starport 75, referencing 1975 when the ride opened. And then it's MK1. Because it was like the first roller coaster at Magic Kingdom. Oh. I mean, so. it officially opened in 75, but you'll read at some places that it was operating in 74. And like, you know how Disney does that, right? They do like soft openings or unofficial yeah. or it's before the dedication. But the true like official on the record opening was 1975. Yeah. There are two things that I didn't hear that I want to that I think are so interesting. One, okay. there has been this longstanding rumor and hopefully you don't subscribe to it, because if so, I'm about to burst your bubble, where they um, project a meteor on the ceiling inside the ride. And the longstanding rumor was that it was actually a close-up of a chocolate chip cookie. cookie. I think it just looks that way. And it is not. But speaking of projections on the inside of the building, the reason why the support beams are on the outside of the building, uh, because typically if you look at a building, they put the support beams on the inside because it doesn't look yes. so good. They kept the support beams on the outside of the building. So the surface on the inside would be smooth enough to be able to project stuff. Right. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, before we move on from Space Mountain, there was one more audio that you had mentioned to me that I think people should hear. So this okay. is just a clip from the exit music of Space Mountain. Yeah. And I feel like there are some music uh, like audio pieces in Tomorrowland because I know I played a few before. From the Tomorrowland audio, we're like, what is happening in the background of this? (laughs) So this is just another one of those examples of like, what is happening in this piece of audio from the exit music of Space Mountain? Those those people doing the background lyrics, like that that was their job that day. I don't know. We can, maybe that needs to be our new theme song. Just I don't know. Yeah, I guess we had steel a guitar or whatever. We chose it is in the there. wrong music. Love it. So uh, let's see. I'm doing Seven Doors Mine Train and Big Thunder yeah. Mountain. I guess we'll do Seven Doors Mine Train first because uh, that's a little bit closer. And um, you may know that I have like a little bit of connection to the Seven Doors Mine Train uh, based on, I think this was episode three of our podcast. This is a long, long, long time ago right, where I played this this quick little clip. We were so young. These favorites from Magic Kingdom Park, which members love. Number five of all the attractions. Oh, so this is about where you're about to hear me. One gem stood out from the rest. I think my favorite ride tonight. That's was not me. The Seven Dwarfs Mine Train. Seven Dwarfs Mine Train. Seven Dwarfs Mine Train. That's me. <laughs> that last guy. Seven Dwarfs Mine Train. Seven Dwarfs Mine Train. Um, so this, of course, is a roller coaster attraction mm-hmm. in New Fantasyland. So according to Disney. 
This allows guests to go, quote, deep inside an age-old mountain, clamber into a rustic mine train, and make your way up a steep incline, unquote. What, clamber is a verb? I have never heard of that. No. Did we look that up? I didn't look it up because I was just... How do you spell it? Oh, well, hold on. I can do it. But like, it's I just where do they, you know, obviously these people work with the, uh, the swords, right? To get in or out of something in an awkward and laborious way. Oh my, I prefer laborious because it sounds fancier. Typically uh, using both hands and feet. Yes. Yeah, so I clambered out of the trench is the, is the. Clamber. Oh, in case you want to know how the dictionary <laughs> pronounces it. I'm going to do that one more time. Was not Clamber. expecting that. <laughs> Clamber. Anyway, you clamber into a rustic mine drain, blah, 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 blah. At the Mm -hmm. summit, feel the wind across your face as you navigate hairpin turns and head deep into the mine shaft, your creaky cart teetering back and forth. How do they know that I can feel the breeze across my face? (laughs) Soon, with dark sparkles and glittering jewels, you encounter the seven dwarfs whistling and singing while they work, chug through the cavern and climb skyward. At the peak... Mm -hmm. Glimpse an incredible view of Fantasyland before racing back down to the foot of the mountain. All within 30 seconds. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> it's so quick. It's not a long ride. So let's talk uh, more about how the ride came to be and, and some, some parts of the mm-hmm. construction. So we kind of know the story here, right? So we know that there used to be an attraction in Fantasyland that focused on Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, you could say, but Snow White was the mm-hmm. star. It was Snow White's Scary Adventures, which was taken away, and it became the princess fairy tale hall where you get to meet some of the princesses womp 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 <laughs> so this opened in may of 2014 and it was the mm-hmm. first attraction to really focus on the dwarves mm-hmm. as opposed to snow white it took about four years of construction before this thing opened and it was considered the final touch of the new fantasy land expansion mm-hmm. the land that is used now for this attraction used to be for 20,000 leagues under the sea for 23 years that attraction was there and then 2005 2010 it was Pooh's playful spot and of Mm. course now it's seven hours wine train the ride cars are unique so we pretty much know what a typical roller coaster ride car is one thing that makes these unique is that they sway like a minecart would Mm. Um, and it's really not too dramatic of a sway um, if you Not worried, if you really put your like Doug and I really try to yeah, make it go. You can people do are it. Like, Why isn't other people's cars moving? And we're like, it's because we're like leaning so bad. They're like, oh, this is cool. <laughs> You're making it happen. Um, yeah. The Imagineers combed through the original film. I mean, they looked at really specific things like the wood carvings on the mine cars used in the film, the shapes of the mine cars themselves, and they said they use just so many layers of paint to make the ride cars look. <laughs> used but not old which is really something that is common in theming for attractions is to make it look right. like it's been used but you don't want to make it look like it's too used where it's like gross Scary. <laughs> yeah they say the process uh depending on the level that they were looking to achieve could take up to a week per car because they had wow. to wait for paint to dry in phase one and then phase two right. and so on until it got to that desired look because they were all done on an individual basis the ride cars don't all look the same they're not like okay. these prefab fabricated uh, pieces of material where they're all just uniform. So you could get right. on a car that's a little bit darker or lighter than the one you had on before. If you look behind you or in front of you, they might look a little different. And they say they did that just to maintain authenticity, which is such cool. a such a staple of Disney yeah. attractions and Imagineers. Um, the riders on the cars have their own individual safety bar. So no like lap bar that covers two people because you do sit in pairs. Because yeah. it's your own individual lap bar, it does allow the height requirement to remain low. It's only 38 inches to ride. Yeah. And I don't but know if those, ever... seats, those seats are a little snug. They're a little snug. 
And I don't know if you've ever been on a ride where you're with someone who has larger dimensions than you. So like the the <laughs> lap bar, like sometimes won't even come close to like, won't even come close yeah. to me. So the individual lap bar allows you to, to, yeah. uh, to have your own unique experience. Yes, it's a little snug, but when you go on with someone who's a little bit smaller, like a child, um, right. they're able to you go on it because they have their own little lap bar that squishes their own little guts and intestines. <laughs> Um, so you mentioned this for Space Mountain that the lift gets the ride car up to the top of the hill and then gravity does the rest of the work. Yeah. That's not the case for this attraction. This is one of the rare ones at Disney where they don't rely solely on gravity. Instead, they have some speed modifiers, some brakes and some other things along the way because they want you to be able to slow down at key parts to see what's actually going on. Specifically, right. when you're in the mine, you can't zip through that because you wouldn't right. see anything. Which kind of makes this attraction like this hybrid coaster slash dark ride. Well, and that's why it's so smooth. Yes, it's such a, it's smooth, such ride. a smooth ride. It's so nice. It's basically the opposite of Space Mountain in, in that respect. Mm -hmm. um, of course, like when we come out with a new attraction, I say we like had anything to do with this. When Disney comes out with a new attraction, there are newer updated audio animatronics. At the time, this was like state of the art, new, new right. stuff. Um, they said they were pulling in people from all different departments across the company, not just the people who were in charge of like the robotics, if you will. It's right. animators and all these show people just to get it right. These are what they call projected from within faces. Mm -hmm. So the animation, let's say, is coming from with inside the audio animatronic. It's not being projected somewhere and it's not landing on the front of the face. Yeah. yeah. You could wave your hand in front of their face and you wouldn't see a projection. Exactly. Yeah. So they brought in, or they, not brought in, this guy works for Disney, uh, but one person in particular, Dave Bossert, who is a producer and creative director for Walt Disney Animation, um, was asked about the process, specifically this new audio, these new audio animatronics by the Huffington Post. They did a little article on him. And he talked a bit about how they studied the original animated classic to remain authentic to it. And he said, quote, take, for example, Sleepy. One of the ways that Disney's animators back in the 1930s indicated this dwarf was actually asleep was by periodically having Sleepy open one eye, mm. which is why we made sure that the face on the Sleepy audio animatronic figure periodically opens one eye, nice. just huh. so this character looks and acts just as Sleepy did in the original film. Unquote. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So it might seem like kind of easy to say that, okay, well, they're making Sleepy look sleepy, but it seems like they really went into specific things that happened in the right. movie. Like, how do they illustrate it in the movie? Let's make sure we do that in the attraction. Yeah. So that they because took their time. you can do whatever now with yeah. that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, there's an old prop from the Snow White Scary Adventure attraction that I mentioned um, over in Fantasyland. The vulture that you see in Seven Dwarfs Mine Train right before you go into the mine shaft is a reused prop from that attraction. So okay. they did also use some of the animatronics for the dwarves as well. Um, some of them they couldn't because they wanted to include these new audio animatronics. But that vulture is just like a pick up and remove and drop into this attraction as is yeah. basically no work what needed for it. What about the animals in the ending scene? I don't know. This particular article didn't mention it. I have a feeling that a lot of them are reused. I mean, you'll also know yeah, that there's because... the the evil queen witch yes. thing that I'm sure is reused from that attraction as Doug well. Doug said that he he read something that the animals um, the animals in the house were used from the old ride. That's why they kind of have a scared look on their face. Okay, that makes sense because so it was. If you really look at them, they're kind of like yeah, kind of look like they could be scared, and yes. it's because they were used from the old uh, from the, the old ones. So. Snow White Scary like, Adventures. Yeah. yeah, you know yeah. Disney, they constantly reuse yeah. 
reuse their things. Um, something unique about this attraction at the time, and it's kind of been like the the new staple for attractions, is their interactive queue. There is a musical water fountain, if you will, where you were in the mine. The the dwarves would mine wa- in the mine <laughs> would wash the gems. There are twelve spigots, and each of the twelve spigots represents a note on the chromatic scale. So as you put your hand underneath oh. the stream of water, it plays a note of music. Yeah. There's uh, also say, say spigot again. I like the I like the way spigot. you say it. There are twelve Spig- spigots. The uh, there's a vault scene with spinning barrels of gems, and as you mm-hmm. spin them, they project a character up on the ceiling. However, if you get all barrels to spin simultaneously, a little surprise happens. So you get and everyone them. will clap once the surprise happens. Oh, really? I haven't seen it. Oh yeah. Uh, this is also an attraction that includes two on-ride cameras to capture picture mm-hmm. and video. It's only one of two attractions in Disney World to provide video. Do you know the other one? Oh my gosh, why can't... Oh, uh, Tower of Terror. Tower of Terror over in Hollywood Studios. Yes. The ride itself really hasn't changed a whole lot. I mean, it's still relatively new. Pretty fresh. We're we're talking just under... I mean, like just under six years of operation here. Mm -hmm. But one thing that did change was in the queue. There was a different interactive game that used to be a part of the queue, which is now no longer interactive. Interactive. It used to be where there'd be a stream of gems coming down and you would be able to grab the gems and put them into your virtual mine cart and they're still there you just they just don't move anymore oh, okay. so it's not yeah it i've actually done the the interactive queue once yeah um we did it with doug's family we were back in february because we were like let's just do it we've never done this part of the queue so that was the first time i got to see all that stuff there is a lot i mean of course me i'm like ocd and i'm like do we have to touch things like please don't touch anything <laughs> well now especially uh, yeah um but then but also i was like it's actually really cool like there's some neat stuff in here you know to keep people occupied yeah they really obviously went they put the details into the to the queue as well Um, and i was gonna say is it not one of the first rides that has the like technology too where you don't have to like scan anything for your photos like it's all connected to your it is built in with the the like the close range um rfid people are like where do we get our where do we go get it and i'm like it'll just show up on your account and then people are literally their mind is blown because they're like how how and i'm like there's a chip in your like magic band and they're like what yeah (laughs) also i never know which one which camera is video and which camera is the picture and i just feel like i'm always trying to do different things and i'm like (laughs) oh that's not the right one i thought that was the photo but it wasn't it It was the video (laughs) um yeah this is one of those rides where you know i really haven't been on this ride a lot Mm. um so i feel like i haven't had a chance to memorize the cameras yet but it's because there's always a long wait and it's a very difficult fast pass to get Yeah. And the only time I've done the queue was during the Moonlight Magic event, which is where that clip came from. That's the event for DVC members. Certain times of year, this year's was canceled. Right. Womp, womp, womp. But, um, and we <laughs> did, that up. was the only time I've ever done the queue. And it was, it was only a 20 minute wait. So we were kind of breezing through parts of it. So yeah. as much as I don't want to wait on the line, if I ever do it again in the future where you have some time to spend, I am, I would like to invest a little time in that. Some other yeah. cool facts of the mind train. Virtually all of the animation for the ride is new with some exceptions. So like mm-hmm. the faces on the audio animatronics, anything else you see projected, including in the queue where you spin the barrels and it tosses a uh, yep. image of a character on the ceiling. Those were all new animations, obviously huh. inspired by, but they were new drawings, let's say. However, the silhouette animation of the dwarves on the final hill where they all have like their tools and they're climbing yeah. up the hill, that was lifted from the original movie to pay a oh, little homage cool. to it. To have a piece of the original in the attraction. Just makes you appreciate it a little bit more. Yeah. You may also know that there was a fire 
in 2014. So a piece of the fireworks from Wishes fell onto the top wow. of the attraction, like one of the, the outdoor pieces, and sparked it up. There were no injuries that were reported anyway, and the ride reopened the next afternoon. But a cool fact, like a side fact of this kind of strange thing where, you know, an attraction was ablaze for a moment, was um, the photos and videos that were used. Because you may follow this person on Instagram. His name is Lewis, and he is at Disney Nuts. Um, it was his photos, for whatever reason, that the news, like, just picked up and used in a lot of their coverage. And that's how he wound up getting, like, this huge follower. Not that he doesn't deserve it otherwise, because his photos are stupid awesome. That's like that was his little claim to fame there, bringing it home to more local story of a, a cool right. fact. Um, Hometown hero, if you will. <laughs> yes. And part of the introduction for our episode today included a snippet from the commercial for the Seven Doors Mine Train. Do you remember like the advertisements at all for this? It wasn't that long ago. You know, we're talking five and a half, six years ago. Yeah, I don't. So they did like a new version of the um, Hi Ho song. And I want to play it. It's only yeah. about 30 seconds or so, but just get on board with this, guys. Because this is this is the real deal, and this is, is still, it by Todrick Hall. <laughs> I, I mean, it could have been. So this is this is the whole commercial A to Z, and you, and you know you'll you'll hear the whole thing. But this is a newer version of Hi Ho. Rock your Disney side on the all-new Seven Dwarfs Mine Train. It rocks. You see what they did there? It rocks. It uh, rocks. Can, can they just like play this while you're on the ride? I would totally appreciate that. Well, it's only 30 seconds, so they could only be able to play the song, I think, two and a yeah, half that's times. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> that's true. It's a short ride. <laughs> Guys, it's a short ride. I do remember going to the parks when they were still building it. They were still putting it together. Um and I was excited for it. Yeah, they said one of their um, greatest challenges was trying to construct the ride without taking yeah. away from the guest experience. I mean, it's right there in the middle of the park, basically. I know. It was pretty much like a big eyesore. But yeah. you're like, it made you more excited for like, I can't wait. I can't wait to see what's on the inside of all this. It did build a lot of anticipation for it. Yeah, for sure. All right. The next one we're going to move to is the Barnstormer. Wah, wah, wah. There was a lot of things I learned about the Barnstormer. And I was like, oh, I didn't know this. Um, so what Disney says, let's see what they say. This is take flight above Storybook circus with goofy in a homemade stunt airplane for a thrilling junior roller coaster ride make your way to an open air barn where goofy known as the great goofini performs his <laughs> world famous aerial stunt show climb aboard a wacky stunt plane and hold on tight as you take to the skies above Fantasyland. a staggering series of stupendous stunts ascend to the top of a wooden observation tower then brace yourself as you swoop through the busy barnyard darting and soaring before landing safely during the grand finale it's a goofy good time for kids and aspiring pilots of all ages <laughs> oh my god <laughs> okay terrible goofy anyways um aspiring pilots that's me i thought there was like i was like man y'all really talk this thing up it's not that great yeah okay um <laughs> The Barnstormer and Storybook Circus was originally home to Grandma Duck's petting farm at Mickey's Birthday Land in 1988. Wow. Yeah. Mickey's Birthday Land then became Mickey's Starland in 1990. So the petting zoo, this I was like, there was a petting zoo there? Ugh, beats um, me. The petting zoo was home to Minnie Moo, who was a Holstein <laughs> cow that was famous for having a hidden Mickey on its mm -hmm. side. Now, some of you might be like, what's a Holstein cow? Don't worry. I looked it up. Holstein Frisians are a breed of dairy cattle originating from the Dutch province of North Holland and Friesland. And 
Schleswig Holstein in northern Germany. Oh. They are known as the world's highest production dairy farmers. Them 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 cows put out milk. That's they're what they're just trying to say. Full of milk. Full of milk. Um, so in 1996, the petting zoo was removed, and Minnie Moo was relocated to Fort Wilderness. No, she is no longer with us. Oh. Um, the barn which housed the petting zoo was integrated into the barnstormer at Goofy's Wise Acre Farm. So originally, um, in 19, 1996, obviously, uh, the space was reimagined into Mickey's Toontown Fair. And the barnstormer originally was the barnstormer at Goofy's Wise Acre Farm. Oh. Uh, it, yeah, it opened October 1st of 1996. It appeared to be an airplane school taught by Goofy. That was kind of like the story. The story behind... Uh, which included guests flying in Goofy's homemade bi this says biplane as it swooped, twisted, and turned. It then went full speed into a barn, and inside the barn were three audio animatronic chickens from Epcot's former World of Motion attraction. A hidden Mickey formed by a jumble of wires can be found in the attraction queue near the popcorn plants. Oh. It is considered a junior roller coaster. I don't really know what that means. Like I tried to look it up, but I was like, I guess it's just because it's smaller. It is made of steel and it uses the chain lift system, which we talked about for Space mm -hmm. Mountain. Guests board one of two trains, which each seat 16 riders, and the train is taken up a chain lift hill to the height of 30 feet. And then the track itself is 679 feet, have twists and turns, elevation changes follow uh, before the ride comes to a halt in the brake run. Uh, riders each top a speed of 25 miles per hour. Don't go too fast, y'all. <laughs> um, it's a one minute ride. So as part of the Fantasyland expansion, the attraction closed on February 12th, 2011. Um, and they basically rethemed it to the Barnstormer featuring the great Goofini. <laughs> it's a great name. The great, yeah, the great Goofini opened on March 12th of 2012. The trains were painted blue and white with orange before it was repainted with red and brown for the current ride. So they did change the color paint of the actual trains. And the former entrance to the Barnstormer had a cloud logo on, on it until it crashed, until um, they have like the new crash through billboard that was added in 2012. So really not a ton of things that changed that I could find. Um, they just put some paint on it and rethemed it. Obviously, there's like new theming, like signs and stuff that are around. Mm -hmm. um, some of the signage in the queue has like tricks and stuff that he's pulled. Basically, it's like, come along and I'm going to show you some tricks. Yeah. <laughs> um, the only other like kind of cool fact that I found was that on the back of the entrance sign, you can find a set of rain red painted jumbled letters that when you put it together it spells wiseacre farms as a homage to the original version of the ride in oh, mickey's toontown fair fancy yeah and i do the only thing that i was like trying to remember i do vaguely remember when it was his birthday land mickey's birthday land. yes um i do remember that for some reason when i was younger going there but i don't remember much else <laughs> incidentally it closed mickey's birthday land this week in history it's, it was one of the two things i was going to yeah. choose for history for the week but i went with yeah. the other one that's I all I got on the Barnstormer. It was not really like, I mean, it is what it is. I'm always like, let's go ride the Barnstormer. And Doug's like, let's not. No. Well, because as an <laughs> we, adult, I don't think you could fit two people in a row because it really is yo. meant for like one adult and one kid or two kids. Yeah. So mm -hmm. I forget how long ago I went. I went on it like semi-recently with an adult and we had to like split up. <laughs> like yeah, I was as in you one would seat. put it, it's made for little guts. So. Little guts, <laughs> yes. Made for little guts. Yeah. Um, last attraction we're going to talk about today is Big Thunder Mountain over in Frontierland. The wildest ride in the wilderness. Just like that. It's almost as if that guy is right <laughs> here in this room. Um, let's, of course, let's see what Disney has to say first. Legend has it, soon after gold was first discovered here in the 19... Nope. <laughs> it's not the 1900s, guys. Gold Legend. was definitely in the 1800s. <laughs> uh, after gold was first discovered here in the 1850s, eerie things began to happen. 
Trains mm. would take off and race through tunnels by themselves. <gasps> Guys, it's like a Tesla. After you arrive at the legendary Big Thunder Mining Company, descend into an abandoned mine shaft and board your train. They didn't use the word clamber here. Um, as you enter the cursed cavern, the engine speeds up along the rickety track. Dodge exploding dynamite and falling boulders as you swoop around turns, drop into canyons, and dart through the mysterious ghost town of Tumbleweed. Ooh, that was pretty Tumbleweed. good. Tumbleweed. Sounds fun. Yes. So, of course, the background story here, here is that there was gold found in the mountains during like the great gold rush of 1849, let's say. The town here is called Tumbleweed. Mm-hmm. What the settlers did not know is that the grounds were a sacred spot to local Native Americans. Once they desecrated the land by living there and doing their excursions and digging and stuff, natural mm-hmm. disasters occurred. Um, and this particular piece of the storyline actually exists at all of the Big Thunder Mountains, but they each have their own individual natural disaster. So the Florida oh. natural disaster was a flood. And the okay, flood is what drove the people out of the town. Um, some other ones have earthquakes and some things that are maybe more likely to happen right. in their areas. But that's what it was. The flood is what drove the people out of the town, leaving it a quote, ghost town. And after some time, the trains were found to be running on their own. This was originally conceived. Because of the curse. The curse. (laughs) This was originally conceived in 1972 by Tony Baxter, which is a name that we've brought up a couple of times. I'm sure you've heard him. Good old Tony. Good old old TB, Tony Bax, um, which if you've seen the Imagineering story on Disney Plus, I'm sure you've seen him there too. Mm -hmm. It started out as part of a larger idea by Mark Davis, who we've brought up a bunch of times here. Who originally had thought of a whole Western-themed pavilion at Magic Kingdom. It was supposed to be this big, gigantic thing that had multiple attractions and scenes and stores and whatnot. But, as is usually the case with these things, budgets and some timing constraints constraints led to that kind of be putting on the back burner. And eventually, Tony Baxter was the one who extracted that mine car idea, ran with it, and then shaped it more into what it is that we see today. Um, this version of Big Thunder Mountain opened up in 1980, so eight years after that first conception by Tony Baxter, okay. we extracted out from that bigger idea. It is based on Utah's Monument Valley. Both okay. um, our version of it and the Disneyland version of it are based on a different piece of uh, Utah. Ours is the Monument Valley, okay. and it kind of fits into where the attraction falls in Frontierland. Okay. Um, the mountain is 197 feet high, and it covers two acres of land. Crazy to think, though. That, that's really not that much land, though. Yeah, I, I mean, mean, for a coaster, really they yeah they they do what they can. And, you know, like kind of a piece of it kind of juts out into the water over there, into the rivers of America. Yeah. Um, there are 2,780 feet of railroad track, and the rock work was designed to make it appear as if the tracks were put in after the rocks. So okay. obviously this is part of the storytelling that they're doing here. So the goal right. was to make it look like the mountain was there, but they built the original Big Thunder Mining Company built in the mining tracks after right. the rocks were there, obviously. Not to make it look like the rocks were just, oh, here are some tracks. Let's throw some mountains around it. <laughs> yeah. Of course, the ride itself is full of gold digging gear and equipment. So the ore cars that you'd find in like a, you know old school mine, um, lanterns, barrels, tools, like an old ball mill which is something that would be used to extract gold from ore, which is a fancy word basically for like rocks mm-hmm. and yep. stuff. 
Um, it is pretty much the same track as the Disneyland version with a few exceptions. And don't get me started on the freaking <laughs> explosion that happens in the third act of the attraction there. I, mm. you, I think people know how I feel about it. It's a travesty. It is. That it doesn't exist here. Some notes about some things you'll see around the track that, of course, build into the theming of the attraction. You start out in a bat-infested cave, which is just unnecessarily loud. Loud. It's so loud. It's like they're just testing out how high the volume can go on those speakers. Before you get to the second lift, you pass through the abandoned town of Tumbleweed. And you, if you look closely, depending on the timing, and of course, this other attraction has to be open, but you can see the railroad go by. So when you're on yep. the railroad... The part of Big Thunder Mountain that you pass is the town of Tumbleweed. Then when you're on the attraction, you can also see the railroad. The third lift features an earthquake. That's where, you know, you're in like that kind of mine shaft thing where the rocks are like coming and going towards you to make it feel like you're in an earthquake. And um, you'll also know that the cart that you're in is swaying. That's just thanks to partially banked tracks. So the tracks themselves are uneven so that your car kind of rocks back and forth a little bit. The ride itself, the ride itself hasn't really changed so much. Um, they did do some updating to the queue, and uh, actually, really, the, the yeah. queue updates is really what enhanced the ride experience. Even though it doesn't, right. it's not the ride, but it, it kind of more brings you into the the story here. So, they did include some interactive elements. There is an explosive magazine room where you can detonate dynamite. So there's that like little plunger thing you get to push down, and every now and then it actually like does something. In the foreman's post, which is a name that they um, named one of the rooms, you can look down into the shafts of the mine. So it's almost like a viewfinder. And you'll see this. This is like kind of the outskirts of the building where you can see the ride in the background. But it's like this little thing that pops up out of the ground and you can look into it. And they filmed, you know, video for this. Like it's like I was watching a clip from it and you saw like these actors and like obviously it's Hollywood stuff. So it's like in these fake mines and stuff and them acting out the different scenes that you can see <laughs> through like this viewfinder thing, which is, I guess, something that obviously didn't involve cameras at the time, but maybe through some series of mirrors and stuff, they were able to look down into um, into the mind to like see what was going on. They also wouldn't added... That be, wouldn't that be funny if you were like one of those actors like, yeah, well, I, you know, I'm also on the... Uh... I'm also in the mineshaft scenes in yes. the ride of the uh, Big Thunder Railroad. It's in your portfolio. <laughs> it's in your highlight reel. Yeah. yeah. Um, they also added a ventilation room to the queues. This is, again, just adding mm-hmm. to the theming here for the overall mine experience. This is focused on making sure the air is safe for the miners uh, using a machine called the Auto Canary, which would replace the need for an actual canary bird to go into the mine to make sure it was cool, right. which is really just terrible if you think about yeah. that poor bird. But... Obviously, they named it the Auto Canary to, to draw back to that concept of using a canary. They added a bunch of signage and stuff, too, around the attraction, and some of it's kind of funny. Um, yeah. Here's here's a sign. Yeah, that... roommates and stuff, too. There's one. Yeah, well, they're a li- they get a little, like, aggressive in these. So here's <laughs> this is one that's allegedly posted by Mrs. Liddy Calloway, obviously a character made up for this attraction. This is what the sign says. All miners required to bunk on-premises at Big Thunder board- Boarding House. No exceptions. Meal provided daily, baths weekly. Ooh. Ugh. Ugh. Um, and another one, and this is, you could tell, the Big Thunder Mining Company did not trust their employees based no. on this sign alone. This sign says, prior to leaving the premises, all miners must empty boots, pockets, and so forth. My gosh. No. People stealing those gems. We'll be stealing those gems from that uh, Indian burial ground. <laughs> yeah, seriously. We're going to get another uh, flood here. Really cursed. Um, some other cool facts about the attraction. There are a bunch of gags around the attraction. 
Um, you'll see a crate of explosives with a company called Lightem and Hyde. Get it? <laughs> get funny. it, guys? Get it? Um, the trains. <laughs> yeah. The trains all have names that, like, the writing, the title of the names you'd basically find on this on the uh, Valentine's Day Hearts because they all use abbreviations. So yeah. this, so the, here's the the names of the trains for the attraction. I am Brave, and of course it's the letter I, letter M, and then Brave. Yeah. So you kind of get the concept of how this is named. Um, yeah. The others are You Are Courageous, I Be Hardy, You Be Bold, I Am Fearless, and You Are Darling, which is obviously named after me. Mm-hmm. Let's yeah, be that's real. true. Let's be real. Uh, I the- have a fun. I have a fun fact about about my train too. I mean, not my train. Well, then let's hear it. Yeah. Um, I would argue that it is the longest and hottest line queue that there is at Disney. <laughs> Fun it's fact. It's toasty. It is so hot in there. Yes. Well, and then when you're outside, you're in the dead sun. So it's yes. like, you're going to sweat. And then you're like, okay, we're just going to get out of the sun and it's going to be better. And then it's like, you hit the heat yeah. wall. Yes. It's like, give me the sun. At least there's a breeze out there. I'm like, can we put some trees on top of this thing? Yeah, Please. Gosh. We need some shade. I'm sure they had trees back in the 1800s. Sure. Um, Big Thunder Mountain features one of two full-size bathtubs in the Magic Kingdom. Do you know where the, before I tell you about this one, do you know where the other bathtub is? Think about this. I think you can get it. It's in Magic Kingdom. Bathtub? Yeah. So while you think about it, in this attraction, what you're going to be looking for is a miner in a bathtub doing, I guess, one of his weekly baths that they they provide. Yeah. The other, there's another character in a bathtub in Magic Kingdom. Over the only in, I think it was the Haunted Mansion. Nope, it's over in Tomorrowland. Where there's a great, big, beautiful tomorrow. tomorrow. Yes, You're Uncle right. Orville okay, and his air cooling. That. Yes. Um, that's the, for, about that. I guess there's there's been this piece of trivia. There, all, there was a third bathtub being used, but it's, they got rid of it. It's for a land. It was part of Toontown Fair, and that's gone. Yeah. Um, you can also see if you can spot the party that's going on in the second floor of the saloon in the town of Tumbleweed. So, you know, in that part mm-hmm. of the ride where you pretty much go down that first hill and then you're going through that that uh, part of the abandoned Tumbleweed town where, like, yeah. you know, the train's kind of rocking back and forth yeah. kind of thing. Um, in the saloon on the second floor, there is a party, and you can only see them at night because oh. during the day you could assume the party goers are resting working. maybe. Maybe, the, yeah, actually, maybe they're contributing they're to society. Working? Yes. <laughs> Yeah, I've never noticed that before. Yeah. Uh, so just take a look at it. As the sun sets and it gets darker, you should be able to see the mm-hmm. party goers. The height stick outside the entrance is made to look like leftover rail pieces. Mm. So if you, if you see it, okay. you can tell it's like train track going one way and then perpendicular yeah. for the other to let you know the height of the, the rider needs to be to be able to go on the ride. And in this I did not know, nothing came of it. But in January 2013, ABC ordered a pilot, so a TV show, based on the ride called big thunder mountain but it was eventually scrapped and nothing ever came of it yeah i don't know if that if that would be like really interesting yeah how how much material can you get right how much gold is in them their hills get it for this (laughs) uh for a tv show based on big thunder mountain man so good i remember big thunder mountain as being my favorite disney world ride as a kid it's changed. I mean, this was, you know, in the 90s and whatnot. Right. When right. I was just like tall enough or old enough to go on safe roller coasters. I yeah. loved this ride. I thought it was, as a kid, I thought this was like, this was the the ride to go on. Yeah. We love it. We pretty much only fast pass it at this point. Yeah. Um, just because the line queue is so hot. Oof. I mean, it's one of our favorites. But obviously, Space Mountain's my favorite. So if I had to choose between the two, I'd pick Space. Yeah, we and know Splash. how you feel, Beth. We get it. You love Space Mountain. I I would say I like Splash Splash Mountain more than Big Thunder. But 
just a different kind of thing. And we talked about whether or not to include Big uh, Splash Mountain in this because, like, there is, like, a coaster feel to it, but technically yeah. not a coaster. So we'll have to figure out how to categorize that later on in life. I know. It's kind of its own thing. Yeah. But... So this is part one of our deep dive on our coasters of Walt Disney World. So the next episode, you'll hear some of the other coasters from Hollywood Studios and Animal Kingdom. Because right now, there are none in Epcot until Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic right. Rever- Rewind. Rewind. Thank you. Um, yeah. Opens up in 2021 or later, depending on this construction halt. Yeah, yeah, um, for sure. Who, before we wrap up here, I thought we could start including some quotes from Disney characters or Walt Disney himself in these. And I thought, like, what a better time in life to do maybe something that we all need to hear. Mm-hmm. Um, this one comes to us from Christopher Robin, as you know, from the Winnie the Pooh series. Winnie the Pooh. Winnie the Pooh. And his quote that I'm going to leave you all with today is, you are braver than you believe, stronger than you seem, and smarter than you think. So good luck to you out in quarantine. If it's getting you down, you can handle it. You can do it. You can do it. We're almost out of the woods here. Whether it's almost or eventual, it's happening, right? There is is an end to it. If you're a little down, go watch Magic Happens on YouTube. Yes. Oh my gosh. A quick pick-me-up. And please take a look at the, I am going to post a link to the video for the the uh, Space Mountain TV, the SMTV, because I found a couple of other clips too. We got to look at them. Um, if you like what you heard today, feel free to like and subscribe to our podcast. Head over to iTunes, leave us a review over there. The podcast app that I use to listen to podcasts just added its own like review thing. So maybe the one you use to listen to podcasts has its own review too that doesn't go through iTunes. Feel free to do that. It helps us become a little more visible in the podcast community. Um, of course, you can follow us on Instagram at that Park Life Podcast. My personal account is at the Disney Greg. And you can find me at Lost Princess Printing. We are also on Facebook. You can just search for That Park Life Podcast there. Uh, join our group if you want to continue some discussions. I'm sure I'm going to yeah. post a question about this episode because I want to hear if you guys have any fun facts or fun memories of the attractions we sure, talked gonna about today. there's going to be some today. shenanigans in there as well. We'll be probably acting a little bit redonkulous. So. Some sheen- yeah, this Come is a- join us. Yeah, honestly, it's what I'm thinking it's going to evolve into is a place for me to post photos that I'm too embarrassed to post on our Instagram page because like the general public doesn't need to see it. But like okay. the cool kids get to see it. That's, That's kind of right. how I'm looking That's at right. it. If you yes. want to be in the know. <laughs> if you want to be a quote cool kid, you can do that on, on Facebook. We'll be here. We'll be here next week. Yes. And hopefully at this point, uh, you'll enjoy your birthday because it will pass by the time this episode yeah. releases. So happy birthday to you. Thank you. And I guess anyone else who's celebrating a birthday, happy birthday to you too. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye.